so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and com. Can anybody out there name either one of Dayton's lieutenant governors? Think about that. Can anyone think of Tim Pawlenty's lieutenant governor? Um, does anybody out there know when Al Franken's going to resign? Anyone? Anyone? Nope. Yeah, I guess we don't. Well, we know Al Franken told us he was going to resign. And this past week, Governor Dayton picked us a brand new senator for the great state of Minnesota. And I want to know, folks, what do you expect from her? Do you have confidence in her? Uh, Dayton appointed his longtime friend, DFL insider, Tina Smith. Tina Smith was also the lieutenant governor for the state of Minnesota, which, honest to God, if you ask people to tell you, ask your average Joe on the street to tell you who the lieutenant governor was, most people couldn't tell you. Even a lot of political insiders couldn't tell you. Governor Dayton said he was a queenmaker. It was a coronation of his hand-picked political insider. What makes me so irritated about this is by naming Smith, Dayton has created additional uncertainty for the state of Minnesota. And you think back to how erratic and... um, uh, well, I've told you for a long time there's something wrong with Mark Dayton, and I've and I've said this in a very polite and respectful way. Uh, when I say there's something wrong with him, I mean physically and I mean, and I mean mentally. And I think the his handlers, Tina Smith was a was his number one handler, uh, covered for him over and over and over again. The media covered for him over and over again. Republicans covered for him over and over and over again. You only have to talk to him for about ten seconds to realize he really shouldn't be the governor of the great state of Minnesota. And this is just the latest example of Governor Dayton creating even more uncertainty for the state of Minnesota. And and I mean the whole entire state of Minnesota, not just um, not just for the Minnesota Senate. Now, think about this. In the Minnesota Senate, the Republicans have a one-seat advantage. They're in the majority by one seat, so it's tight. By Governor Dayton appointing... Uh, his lieutenant governor, there were three million other people out there Governor Dayton could have appointed. Three million other people. Even if you said he could have, even if you, like most governors, appoint someone from their own political party, Jesse Ventura appointed Dean Barkley, who was an independent. Um, somebody else, who was it? Well, whatever governor appointed himself, was that Wendy? Um, appointed himself, and then the people threw him out in two years when he came up for came up for the election. But no, Governor Dayton could have appointed any number of people by choosing his lieutenant governor. Now, there's no lieutenant governor, but there has to be a lieutenant governor because if something happens to the governor, there has to be a line of succession. Okay, so we know Governor Dayton isn't healthy. He's had health uh, risks, whether it was the cancer that that he just had uh, taken care of at the Mayo Clinic, whether it was when he collapsed, giving the State of the Union, whether you just talk to him, you can realize he has some very serious medical issues. He seems to think he's going to be fine and be able to finish out his term I think he should quit right now, too, but that's just me. Um, Dayton has created this uncertainty by appointing Tina Smith because now that means the president of the, because this Minnesota Senate is controlled 
by the Republicans, the president of the Senate has to step up to become uh, become lieutenant governor. Why would Governor Dayton want a Republican as a lieutenant governor? Why? Anybody? 651-989-5855. 651-989-5855. This succession plan calls for the state Senate president to become the lieutenant governor. So when Smith goes off to the U.S. Senate, then that means state Senator Michelle Fishbach, who's a Republican out of Painesville, which means, by the way, that seat will most likely be won by a by a Republican. Uh, but she'll move into to Smith's position. I have a lot of concerns about Tina Smith. She's been an insider forever, whether it was with Walter Mondale. She, she was the VP at Planned Parenthood for three years. Uh, she was Dayton's chief of staff. Uh, well, what was the first lieutenant governor's name? The lady out of Duluth, I'm just, Yvonne. Yeah, um, well, Dayton sent her pack and brought, brought Tina Smith in because I think he knew what a, a weak position he was in physically and mentally, and he thought Tina might have to step up and run. There was some talk before that Tina would be a governor candidate after Dayton stepped down, you know, that smooth transition from one Democrat to the other, but she said flat out no. So there was some thought that this wasn't going to, that Tina Smith wasn't interested in taking this position. Uh, if you believe Mark Dayton when you said that he didn't, when he said he didn't talk to people in D.C. about this, he's lying because this is a Senate seat is a huge deal. And Schumer weighed in on it and lots of the bigwigs out at the DNC weighed in on it because they wanted to make sure that they had somebody who was going to be there for two years to finish out Al's term. And then they were going to have somebody who would be able to run again and win. Um, now she's going to run with Amy in 2018, so we're going to have Tina and Amy. Everybody think it's, thinks it's an SNL show. Well, let me tell you, neither our Tina or our Amy are anything like Saturday Night Live. Um, Tina Smith brings a ton of Planned Parenthood money in it. When she, when Dayton appointed her and crowned her, um, there was a, and and she spoke. There was a lot of sucking up to Al. Um, I guess they forgot that Al was resigning because he forcibly groped and kissed women. He was a perv. We had pictures of it. And, 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 but they just sucked up to Al. Tina Smith said she's going to take on this role in her own way, using her own judgment and experience. She acknowledged that not all Minnesotans are benefiting from the current economy and voted to be an advocate for economic opportunity and fairness for women and people of color. If you believe that women and people of color, all you have to do is look around and ask, what have the Democrats done for you lately? Nothing. Uh, Tina Smith also talked about uh, when she was accepting the appointment, she said, this Senate seat is a strong abiding legacy of service and social justice that runs back to Paul Wellstone, Walter Mondale, Jean McCarthy, and Hubert Humphrey. As she takes on this new position in this extraordinary time we are in. She will do her best to move this legacy forward to toward a better, more inclusive, more just future for all. Democrats are very good at saying empty rhetoric like that, platitudes to make promises of, of what a wonderful utopia is down the road. 
but yet we never hear any specifics and nor do we ever hear the media calling for for any any specifics uh i also thought it was kind of interesting that she talked about um the senate seat the u.s senate seat had a strong law-abiding a strong abiding legacy of service and social justice. And so she promises to be our social justice warrior. Um, I, I honestly think Al Franken would not have, uh, would not have resigned if Roy Moore um, would have won the Alabama seat. I am disgusted and irritated with, only a little because it's Christmas. Um, I'm disgusted and irritated with Governor Dayton uh, for causing this kind of chaos in the state of Minnesota. I think I think it's just absolutely ridiculous, and I think it's appalling. Um, and of course, yesterday we saw pictures. We saw pictures of um, of Senator Fishbach standing with Governor Dayton. They had their arms around each other, talking about their grandkids and eating banana bread and walleye and oh, so Minnesota, nice. And they just oh, they like each other. Uh, it just it's ridiculous. And then you have these political wimps like Tim Pawlenty, uh, who all of a sudden step up and say, "Yeah, you know, I wasn't interested in running against Amy." Klobuchar, but now that it's an open seat, oh, even though I'm retired, yeah, I'm going to think about running again. Tim Pawlenty needs to go away, needs to absolutely go away. I was I was interested to see the PPP poll that came out about Tim Pawlenty. Um, they, in the first hypothetical matchup, only 41% said they would a vote would vote for the DFL candidate and 38% said they would vote for Tim Pawlenty. Um, very serious concerns came out when the voters uh, saw Tim Pawlenty's record. 61% said they had very or somewhat serious concerns about Tim Pawlenty's uh, lobbying background, his $10 million uh, paychecks that he got. They're very concerned that Tim Pawlenty left Minnesota with a $6 billion deficit to go run for uh, president. Uh, they went even further and said that uh, away from Tim Pawlenty with only 35% saying they would vote for him. So uh, it just irritates me when I see these people who do nothing to help further the conservative cause, do nothing to help get conservative candidates elected in Minnesota, and then go off to run for president, go off to lobby, go off to make all kinds of boatloads of money, and then the media trots them back out whenever they need a Republican to say something stupid, and then all of a sudden an open seat comes up, and, well, yeah, I'm retired, but I'll think about it. Maybe you could talk me into it. No, go away. Let's get our bench back in shape. Um, we did have an interesting um, announcement last week. Uh, Pat Anderson said she's going to run for the Minnesota legislature for Matt Dean's seat because he's running for governor. So I thought that was kind of interesting, too. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take some phone calls when we come back. You want to weigh in on any of it? 651-989-5855, 651-989-5855. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and Twin Cities News just hear the sleigh bells tingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's like Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate the music, Stan. You're making me happy, happy, happy. I'm in the Christmas spirit. Merry Christmas to everybody. 
And, and happy yeah. holidays as well. You know what? If you want to say happy holidays, <laughs> whatever, I'm saying Merry Christmas. And I, um, you know what? President Obama said Merry Christmas too. Granted, his card said happy holidays, whatever. And, and it's our own fault that so many people have started saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas because it's our job to, to spread the word around. And we do a pretty rotten job of it. So I was going to say something bad, but no, no, I'm you in can't the Christmas. can't do that during the holiday season. Nope, I won't, I won't do it. So we're talking Governor Dayton picked Minnesota, brand new senator. I don't think before this week anyone could name who Governor Dayton's lieutenant governor was. They certainly can't name uh his first lieutenant tenant governor governor um even when i gave you a hint and said her name was yvonne and she was out at duluth uh boy she was crazy too but she thought she was gonna have this big role in the dayton administration and then she didn't and then uh tina smith came in because governor dayton needed a right hand woman uh to be his handler and i'm kind of worried who's going to be Governor Dayton's handler now. Uh, but I still say most people couldn't name either one of Dayton's lieutenant governor. Uh, I still say most people have absolutely no idea when Al Franken will actually resign. And I still think um, I have virtually zero expectations of Tina Smith or Amy Klobuchar, for that matter, to be anything other than a rubber stamp for uh, whatever Chuck Schumer tells them to be a rubber stamp for. And if you have something different that you expect out of them give me a call and let me know 651-989-5855 651-989-5855 nels you're up first hey nels welcome to the show yeah uh hi sue i called to weigh in on the story state of minnesota politics in general and uh, mark dayton in particular oh um i am uh i myself uh was born and uh lived in minnesota for 44 years until i uh, ultimately, he really had to escape. While I loved the land of 10,000 lakes, I was not so much in love with the land of 10,000 taxes and 10 million regulations. <laughs> and I, I escaped ultimately to South Dakota, no income taxes, you know, minimal regulations. And um, we are still currently, you know, taking away all kinds of, a lot of the uh, good businesses and jobs away from Minnesota because, well, it seems to be Minnesotan's choice. Anyway, I... Um, you know, I, I don't know if people remember how, uh, and I don't know if you, you're old enough to remember when Mark Dayton first entered Minnesota politics. Yeah. But, but <laughs> there was there was curious things. That, one of the things, of course, the, the Star Tribune for protecting the media, generally protecting, it, it was apparent very early on that the, the man was uh, manifestly incompetent and couldn't, uh, you know, really speak coherently in front of the cameras or anything else. And the, But the press, uh, from the very get-go, used to protect him in that, and, you know, they, they made sure that he didn't have to. Yep, they um, still do protect I, him. Yeah, I am. Uh, I myself actually have uh, two, uh, two special needs boys and a couple of other uh, very brilliant boys, so I have plenty of empathy for the special needs. But I, and while I love my, all my children dearly and uh, want all the advantages I can for them, I would not expect my special needs boys to, uh, to sit in the governor's mansion. Right. Yet it seems like that's what the Minnesotans have, uh, have, have chosen with, uh, with, with Mr. Dayton. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. I'll tell you, uh, Nels, I, I don't know why, the Minnesota, why people in Minnesota tolerate it. I don't know why they don't demand better, why they don't expect better. I don't know why Republicans don't demand something better. And I don't know why Republicans or why Democrats allow a man as incompetent as Mark Dayton 
to sit in that chair. It's it's astonishing to me. And I can't understand it either. I can't explain it. I mean, if if they at some point wake up and uh, and and you know start uh, start making the right decisions, I hey, I'll probably uh, truck back here in Minnesota where I still have uh, uh, friends and deluded family. But you know, it's in the in the meantime, it, it seems unconscionable to uh, why. How, how can I uh, how can I return when they're uh, when they make they make life uh, you know uh, uh, you know manifestly worse? I know, I know. Thank you, Nels. I appreciate your comments. And you know what? You can't come back <laughs> because it's not going to turn around anytime soon. Although I do think the tax reform that we're seeing coming out of Washington D.C. I think that will drive more Minnesotans out of because we're finding out. You know what? Oh my gosh, they're taxing the snot out of us. They're, they're the education system is in a shambles and and now they don't even get the tax deduction for it <laughs> yeah but that's the theory of federalism is that we can vote with our feet and i mean that uh, ultimately and of course even worse than minnesota you have the likes of california and illinois mm-hmm. uh, you know and but that's it, it's a good thing if uh things collapse because ultimately you know that it does have to become a message to the american people so you know well you can do it right in your states if you really want to. Right, you can. We can take lessons from Wisconsin. Thank you, Nels. Appreciate your appreciate your phone call. Uh, let's hope he doesn't come back too soon, and let's hope uh, the Democrats and the Republicans who vote like Democrats don't chase people like uh, me and Stan out of there, too. This past couple of weeks, we have seen... Um, Truth and taxation meetings and people got their property tax bills in the mail. And it was really astonishing how many people were upset about this and how many people showed up at the meeting. And when I got my local sun focus, uh, which goes to the people of Moundsview and New Brighton, um, the first week in, in December, the headline above the fold, Ramsey County residents respond to budget plan with outrage this was um well it went on to two pages two pages the front page and first page and the uh, again on page two it's shocking they didn't bury it in the back of the thing but they talked about all the people who showed up at the truth and taxation meeting um the there was a guy rick cunningham of ramsey county's health and wellness department hmm need to get rid of some uh, a few um Different positions in the Ramsey County in in in, in the Ramsey County uh, staffing. Yeah, I think we could start there too. He moderated the discussion, but the audience members became restless and agitated, and it was just really really interesting to hear people stand up and say, "I'm being taxed out of my house." My house. My that my. Um, do you remember last week when we started talking about property taxes? I had the awesome Cindy Pugh in. She said in Chanhassen, their property taxes were going up. Uh, they had a 9% increase, and they were playing games with tax increment financing. They were getting petitions to try to do things with the to to do things with the the city council because they wanted to get rid of them. It's super interesting to hear not only individual people but also uh, small business owners getting up and saying you're taxing us out of our area. We can't we can't continue to do this. Small businesses can't afford giant giant tax increases like this. And there were many commenter, commenters who got up and they were not saying any nice things to the to the commissioners. Uh, Ramsey County 
Commissioner Janice Rettman closed the hearing by saying she took note of every speaker's feedback. After a brief interruption, Rettman abruptly closed the meeting and the commissioners left the room. That's what they do. They run. They run away and they hide. And it's just absolutely disgusting. Um, this The same thing in... It was shocking that I saw... Um, the Pioneer Press came out and they talked about the Ramsey County uh, budget. The Ramsey County Board of Commissioner, Commissioners on Wednesday approved their budget of $714 million for 2018 and $736 million for 2019. But then they went further and they talked about how angry people were at the at the St. Paul City Council. They were talking about the, the, the Pioneer Press actually did a story on property taxes on the rise across the metro area. They talked about double-digit percentage hikes that had drawn complaints in St. Paul, in Columbia Heights, in Fridley, in New Brighton, in Blaine, in Shoreview. Hopkins residents found themselves inching near a 10%. It's too much, and they've got to quit taxing us out of their homes. Uh, let's take a phone call here. Nathan, you're up. Hey, Nathan, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, my worry is that the people get start getting priced out of the area. They voted the people to raise their taxes in. Yeah. Those that have enough money will move out of that area, move to a surrounding area, and start voting people in to raise the taxes in those areas. And and it's really interesting, too, Nathan, because what you see is you've only, people are, are they only... Um, stick it to us uh, about a third of the county residents at a time. So therefore, there isn't just total pitchforks out there all the time. You've always got some really mad people, some medium mad people, and then you've got some really stupid people who are going, oh, yay, rah, rah, mine went down, when it really didn't. Um, I had somebody in New Brighton tell me, oh, my property taxes went down 6%. I said, "Um, I I know you're not a stupid man, but it says right on your property tax statement, this does not include the giant school levy you just voted for that's going to add another $500 to $600 a year onto your taxes. And he goes, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, dumb. Yeah. Crazy. Thank you, I, Nathan. I hope it doesn't drive the smart people out of there. I hope, um, well, I, I don't know. I am I guess I'm kind of losing a little bit of hope in, in not only Ramsey County, but St. Paul, Minneapolis. Um, I just still feel like we can turn it around, though. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate appreciate your comments. Uh, St. Paul is looking at a 23.93% uh, increase in their property taxes. And, of course, the council and Mayor Coleman, who's running for governor, uh, was very quick to explain uh, that that was because of that right-of-way lawsuit uh, so that the, the city council members, the mayors, uh, all the politicians, really, they like to play hide the ball, you know, and they say it's not our fault. We showed great restraint in when New Brighton with our crazy nut job mayor in New Brighton. She was trying to ta- talk about how uh, fiscally responsible they were. They said, well, we're not really raising your taxes 10 percent because we actually hid three of it in your utility bill and we hid another three of it over here. So really, truly, you can kind of think that you only have a 3 percent tax increase. Uh, no. 
crazy nut job mayor. No, no. Actually, our taxes are going up 10%. And they do find ways to hide it in everything from your utility bill to anything else. So we've got to start holding these local politicians um, accountable. And, and we have to get them to also stop doing really stupid things that they do. So, for example... Some of the spending that they have, we're going to talk about some of the spending they do. Uh, you have uh, you have St. Paul, who's building a, an almost two $2 billion streetcar. Yeah, I can't wait to hear Stan's friend talk about that. Um, you have Duluth. They're spending $80,000 on um, riot gear, riot gear up in Duluth. Uh, you have... Minneapolis, it's doing things like raising the minimum wage that's driving their businesses out of there. And I know I meant to talk about this before. We talked about Whiskey Junction and people were saying, oh, Whiskey Junction, it's just a it's just a 50 cent an hour increase, a dollar an hour increase. Yeah, but that's times every employee times every person uh, times every single day. And when you consider that it went up a dollar last year, a dollar the year before, and now a dollar this year, and it's going to automatically go up every single year afterwards. Thanks for nothing, Mark Dayton and the legislature. Uh, do the math. Do the math. How many beers does a bar have to sell to to cover the cost of labor increases or to cover the t- cost of the skyrocketing property taxes? How many beers does a bar or cups of coffee uh, does someone have to sell to pay for the light bill, the heating bill, the water bill, the licensing bill, the insurance bill, the the rent? Uh, and, and, and people just don't pay attention to that. Um, uh, we're going to take a quick break now, and when we come back, I want to tell you some more stuff that's happening up in Duluth. The the Democrats in Duluth are nuts, too. They're absolutely nuts. And we have to do something to stop them chasing out uh, people who are fiscally responsibility, who are fiscally responsibility, people who actually really want government to do what government is supposed to do that so that there is prosperity in the... I, I tell you all the time, the Democrats old believed that if you kept the businesses fat and happy, you could tax the hell out of them. And that was true. But nowadays, the Democrats and some Republicans have this mindset that the small businesses um, are are there to be a jobs program. They're not there to make money. They're not there to provide uh, goods and services to people. They're the, the Democrats and some of the Republicans think that's, that these businesses are their ATM. Uh, and it's crushing people. And we're especially seeing this in Minnesota when you see our GDP uh as low as it is as stagnant as it is and i really hoped we'd get to turn things around with the republicans in the legislature but governor dayton keeps them hopping from one lawsuit to the next and irresponsible demands irresponsible demands like driver's licenses for illegal aliens uh any um increased taxes increased spending more regulation green energy i mean these are all uh, topics that are going to become important over the next uh, year as we get ready to an elect to elect a new governor when 
Mark Dayton finally goes away. So I'm going to talk more about Minneapolis. I'm going to talk about Duluth. I'm going to talk about New Brighton, uh, other things that some of the local units of government are doing that just increase spending, regulation, and the role of government into your everyday life. Then, And yeah, like Nell said, it's chasing some of you right out of town and some of you right out of the state. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. so much for tuning in really appreciate you listening you know it was kind of interesting because this past week a lot of the city councils are saying goodbye to legislators who choose not to or to city council members or mayors who choose chose not to run again uh, or got beat in their past election and in minneapolis the city council honored five members who were leaving after friday's meeting uh, and there were five of them barb johnson john quincy blong yang i liked blong yang didn't always vote the way i wanted him to but he was a nice guy elizabeth glidden and jacob fry and they gave them an opportunity to uh speak to the people of of Minneapolis um, and and tell them how much they appreciated serving for their city. They also passed a resolution uh, honoring Mayor Hodges in New Brighton. Um, Mayor Johnson, I told you she's crazy. I told you she's a nut job. I hope you all saw the clip on Tucker Carlson on on Fox News. They they had a clip of uh, our crazy. What an embarrassment she's been to New Brighton, and just as embarrassing is the a lot of foolish people. People in New Brighton reelected her, and I think in the next month or so they're going to be very sorry about that. But that's a whole nother battle for another day. Um, Mayor Johnson, rather than giving the two members who were leaving any time for anything, ah, she just gaveled it down, shut it down, said the meeting's over. Yeah, you two don't get to say anything, even though her buddy, uh, one of them, had got to speak a little bit earlier thanking the residents. But these property taxes, they are definitely uh, driving people out of the city. You're when the property tax are crazy because these cities they're spending too much they're spending too much money and they're so quick to make excuses they're so quick to talk about how they showed great restraint but then you take a look at what they're doing and you're like whoa wait a minute you're spending money on what and i am we're going to talk about duluth we're going to talk about um uh minneapolis some more we're going to talk about some of these other uh some of these uh, some of the foolish things that they spend their spend their money on and i'm just really happy that we're seeing people who are finally saying i've had enough i'm going to go to these meetings i'm going to stand up to these people i'm going to run against these people and i'm going to try to turn things around uh richard you're up hey richard welcome to the show hi how are you doing awesome oh. You know, I want to let everybody know that the uh, grand opening of this uh, food market up here on 44th Avenue right next to the library in Minneapolis is opening today. And uh, the trouble is the city ran Kowalski's out of the town right here, out of this spot right here, because they said that, uh, oh, you got to put uh, 20% of your parking lot into uh, flowers and bushes. And the daughter of Kowalski's was on the city uh, cable channel during the hearing, and she said, "Well, that's going to cost like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars. We're we're not making that much profit. We're moving out of here. So uh, here's another 
boondoggle that the city forced the private person out of business. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And then they talk about Minneapolis with the food deserts and how bad it is. And now Minneapolis has a new grocery store opening up on the north side. And I'm just wondering how long that's going to be there. Yeah, what about the uh, uh, somebody down the street wants to open a grocery store? He's got to compete with the uh, government-subsidized grocery store. Right, and the things that the city requires them to do is absolutely ridiculous. I realize you want to have an attractive city, but they've pushed it way far over the top, whether it's um, r- the number of parking spots they needed, the amount of landscaping they needed. Uh, the, they, the city interferes in the cost of labor for them. They interfere in the cost of other regulations and licensing fees. It really is astonishing that any of the businesses remain there in in Minneapolis. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate yeah. your comments. Uh, and then, then you've got the cities who just keep doing this really stupid stuff, like um, in St. Paul. In St. Paul, the panel approved the modern streetcar line uh the modern streetcar line is still going to cost 1.4 billion to 2 billion dollars and the goal is to transport riders 11.7 miles from the downtown green line station at st paul union depot to the mall of america in bloomington within 44 minutes yikes 44 minutes. I think I could ride my bike faster than that. Uh, Here's the thing about streetcars. They're an old, outdated mode of transportation. And when they do that, not only are they going to drive more businesses out as they tear up the the route for the last, for the uh, 11.7 miles, but it takes them two years to build it. Our kids are going to be, well, we'll be paying for it. Our kids will be paying for it. Our grandkids will be paying for it. Our grandkids will be ripping it out. They'll be asking why we went with this older, slower, ridiculous, so-called modern streetcar. Uh, buses are the solution. There aren't enough people. There isn't enough density. There aren't enough people in the metro area to justify all these trains and all these streetcars. That's why we need buses. On top of that, if you look at the crime rates, um, I think the vast majority of people would rather go where they want to go, when they want to go, in their safe car, in their warm car, in their, you know, if I tried to take mass transit from my house here to the station, it would take me three hours. So it would take me longer than to get here from my house than it would for me to do my show. And then I'd still have to go home. I'd make Stan drive me because Stan likes light rail transit. He's got a buddy that likes light rail transit. But this is another one of those things. This is going to, who we elect in the state legislature and who we elect in the governor's uh, chair, this is going to make a, this, this is going to be important uh, because it's really important we stop, uh, that we stop doing some of that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, when we come back, I know I wanted to talk about minimum wage. I know I wanted to talk about the Minneapolis police reducing police uh, psych testing. How nuts is that? How crazy is that? I wanted to talk about Duluth uh, turning over 7,000 license plate numbers for a records request. That's, that's, well, not as many as the Mall of America, but it's amazing how many of us are getting our license plates tracked and and how nobody knows about it. Nobody cares. Go ahead, track me, whatever. It doesn't matter. And then in Duluth, we had Essentia, 
who had to fire 50 workers because they refused to get their flu shot. The company said 99% of their 13,900 employees had either gotten the flu shot or received an exemption, uh, and 50 people refused. I would have quit. I would have quit. I would have refused. I would have made them fire me. And you think back to, um, you know, my body, I get to decide about my body. Well, apparently not when you now have a company who's forcing people to get a flu vaccine, a flu vaccine with a 10% um, effective ratio this year. Did you hear that? Flu, 10%. It's only 10% effective. So worthless. It's worthless. Oh, crazy. But you know what? Because we're taking next week off, we are going to talk a little immigration to wrap up the show. We're going to talk about municipal IDs, and this is the latest thing they got going. We're going to be talking a lot about this. Northfield just did it. Minneapolis is moving towards it, and New Brighton just opened the door to it uh, this week. So stay tuned. Lots more coming. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and Twin Love this time of year. It seems to bring us near. Yep, love it. I wish Christmas was every day. I know, right? Every day. We never get anything done. Well, I suppose suppose that's true, too. Merry Christmas, everyone. Don't forget the the reason for the season. I love everything about it. I love the music. I love the food. I love church. I love uh, the birth of baby Jesus. I love the decorations. I love the spirit. I love everything about it. And I hope everyone has a blessed, wonderful Christmas. Uh, Remember, we're not showing up next week so well stan might maybe or maybe not but uh anyway all right this is the latest progressive trend uh out there that you're starting to see pick up steam around the state of minnesota it's called uh, a municipal id card you've seen it in new york san francisco i think chicago starting to look at it right now uh it is basically creating a a photo identification card from the city and apparently in their infinite wisdom these progressives think having a master list of all undocumented aliens all illegal aliens with identifying photos biometrics and addresses is a really good idea and and you know it might not it, they might be more trustworthy under an obama administration but we're under a trump administration and i think it's really interesting um to wonder what would stop ice from ordering directing the officers to use that list to use that card as probable cause for status checks but this is the big thing so about a year ago northfield decided they were going to do it this past week minneapolis decided they were going to institute a municipal id card and at our city council meeting in new brighton this was just shocking at at our city council meeting in new brighton You had a community activist from Minneapolis, a community activist from Bloomington show up at the New Brighton City Council meeting with a bunch of illegal aliens. And some of the illegal aliens needed interpreters because they, well, because they couldn't speak English. Duh. Uh, And so they step up. One was a woman who had been in the United States nine years illegally, still couldn't speak English, had to have an interpreter. And she wanted a municipal ID card put together by the by New Brighton. And I got news for you folks. That's not how it works. 
So the purpose of these ID cards is to offer those who can't or don't have traditional forms of identification something that could be used to open bank accounts, cash checks, or even rent apartments. Well, you know what? A fake ID, um, a municipal ID card, which could be a fake ID for many people, um, you're not going to be able to open a bank account. You're not going to be able to cash checks, and you might not even be able to rent an apartment with it. So they don't get to get away with lying to you to try to force this expensive idea down your throat. And the initiative was was um, mainly started for illegal aliens, but they say that there are other people who might want it too, like uh, non-driving elderly people or transgender individuals who want an easy way to document a name change. How interesting is that? Do you can do you just walk into the city and you can say, "Oh well, um, I'm not Stan anymore. Now I'm Sue, and oh, I want a new ID card that says this." And how many different aliases are they are they going to going to have? This is crazy. This is really crazy. Now Minneapolis has decided they are going to develop their own program. And last Wednesday, the city council voted unanimously to direct staff to create a municipal ID work group that would include a city coordinator, the city attorney, the finance department, and the neighborhood and community relations office. Hmm, looking to streamline government in Minneapolis. I can think of a few places to start. Um, this was different than the tax task forces that they did for issues like minimum wage or paid leave. Um, those committees were asked to form uh, to make recommendations. Uh, in this case, this task force has been instructed unanimously by the city of Minneapolis to plan for implementation. And they want to have this information uh, back by March 31st. So you're looking at this happen next year. Uh, Council member Alondra Cano, Cano, no surprise there. Cam Gordon, that's surprising. He's behind it. Uh, and Jacob Frey, their new mayor. Uh, they are all on board with this. Um, this has gotten a bigger push now, too, um, when Mark Dayton signed legislation relating to real ID requ requirements, which also included a state law that banned undocumented immigrants from getting licenses. This undocumented immigrants, illegal aliens, getting a Minnesota driver's license is a huge issue for Democrats. Every single Democrat candidate running for uh, governor, every single Democrat wants the illegal aliens to have a Minnesota driver's license. And I personally think that is absolutely ridiculous. The idea of moving forward forward with these muni IDs, you're gonna see you're gonna see these people working their way from city to city to city to city. Once one progressive city gets this idea and they practice on them, they figure out what works, and then they start going everywhere else. You heard some Democrats last week talking about how they were gonna start pushing the fifteen dollar minimum wage to the Brooklands. They meant Brooklyn Park and Brooklyn Center and, and St. Paul. So they 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 telegraph what they're 
what their intentions are. They organize their people and then they start doing it. This is not the people of New Brighton or the people of Minneapolis or the people of Northfield who put this together. This is community activists trying to shove another progressive idea down your throat. And in this case, it's probably not what's best for your for your city. And of course, if you stand up and complain about it, you're a racist. Everybody's a racist these days. But you have to be willing to stand up and talk about this. The, in Northfield and Minneapolis and New Brighton, they said they had to do it because this would make people feel part of the community. Well, I got a way to pe- get people to feel part of the community, become citizens, become it's not illegal aliens, become citizens and be a real active part of our of our committee you just turned this song on so i would calm down you know it's my favorite song stan oh oh holy night i told my kids i wanted this song played at my funeral they just roll their eyes i do i love this song oh love it okay stan while i revel in the tune what's your show about today uh being safe out there on the early ice and then we're going to have uh, a guy from camp confidence as far as uh program to uh, help those with dis- disabilities people are not safe on the ice have you seen all the cars and people and atvs plenty that are falling through yeah tune in and listen to stan's show folks we won't be here next week stan and i are going to be off uh, enjoying the season we remember the reason for the season everyone have a blessed merry christmas um Love y'all. We'll be back for our year-end wrap-up, and you can guarantee that'll be a blast. Merry Christmas, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities, News Talk AM 1130, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.